1: I wonder, what is your vision? What course are you personally on? Where are you headed today?
2: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are continuing our study in the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 5 in a message titled, Being Remembered. Let's jump in.
1: Have you ever thought about the life that we'll leave behind here one day? Have you ever thought about what legacy will follow you in the end? You know, a legacy, according to the dictionary, means what we hand down. It's what we leave behind of ourselves. What we will be remembered as. It's who we were. It's what we did. I wonder what we will all leave behind in that day. Will people miss us when we're no longer here? Will they miss anything we did? Uh, Will they miss who we were? Maybe for some of you, there will be those who will miss you tremendously one day. While for others, you might think, well, I hope I'm missed by someone. You know, listen, as a pastor, I've done many funerals. Uh, many were believers and they went home to the Lord. And I was able to celebrate that with the family while some were non-believers, people from all different walks of life, some very young to others that were very old. But one thing I'm continually reminded of as a Christian and as a pastor when I'm doing funerals is this. We are all going to die. It doesn't matter how spiritual a person is. It doesn't matter how unspiritual the person might be. The Bible says we're all gonna die. In Ecclesiastes 9, 2, it says, it's the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good and for the clean and the unclean. As the good man is, so is the sinner. And there is one fate for men and women. And afterwards, they go to the dead. Yes, one day will all be our last. And for us who believe, who have embraced Jesus as our Savior and Lord, it will be a little different. Because for us, we will stand in the presence of God completely forgiven of all of our sins. We will have brand new bodies that will live forever and there will be treasure for us in heaven for everything that we did in Christ's name on this side of heaven. Yet for those who neglected that relationship with Christ, they will face a horrendous judgment and be separated from God to a place of judgment for all of eternity. Yes, how we live day by day, guess what? It matters how we live, and it will determine what legacy that we end up leaving behind. And as Christians, we want to leave behind a legacy of a sweet aroma of Christ. For we will all again die And that's why embracing Jesus now who paid the price for our sins, it is paramount because it's the only way that we're going to get to heaven one day. But today, as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, we left off last time with Adam having relations with his wife, Eve, and they were bearing children. The firstborn was a young man named Cain. Then Eve bore another son, and they named him Abel. They obviously had many, many more children. We're told later in Genesis chapter 4, after Cain had killed his brother Abel, that God cursed him, and actually sent him away. Yet Cain sought after God's mercy. Why? Because he feared that someone would rise up and kill him. Really? Well, who was going to rise up and kill him? Well, it must have been uh, another brother. It had to be someone else that was in the family. Like, wow, I can't believe you took out our older brother Abel. We're going to take you out. We're not given any kind of a time frame here so yeah i mean who knows cain could have been 50 years old when he killed his brother abel that means that eve could have had multiple children who knows king i mean uh, eve could have had 20 or 30 children I mean, you're thinking like, what? Are you nuts? Well, no, not really. Because in recent history, I looked up, I Googled who has had the most children on planet Earth. And there was a Russian woman that popped at 69 billion. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Give that woman a trophy. I mean, give her a gold medal. I mean, oh my goodness. She had 16 twins, okay? So there's 32 babies right there. She had seven sets of triplets. There's 21 babies. Then she had four quads that's a, another 12 that's a total of 69 babies this woman needs a congressional matter of honor she needs a nobel peace prize i mean oh my goodness but if we have something in recent history of a woman having 69 kids this is before god chopped down the ages of people i mean Eve lived to be hundreds of years old. Who knows how many kids that Eve had? And now those kids are having kids, leading to new generations of people. Then we're told in chapter 4 that Cain married. Well, who would he have married? Well, Obviously, he married a sister, and God allowed this at first to get the human race started. We must remember, Adam and Eve were created in absolute and total perfection. There were no mutant genes present in their genetic systems, so no genetic harm would happen from those early marriages. Yet, many generations later, during the time of Moses, mutations had accumulated, thus causing these marriages that is brother sister marriages to be banned and that's why they're banned in the mosaic law but now as we enter into the fifth chapter of genesis we will consider three points in light of our title being remembered number one a keeping of records god kept a written record of what was happening here at the very beginning number two a life remembered we will look at a man in the Bible that had an unbelievable walk with God. And number three, a promise given. And when God makes promises, he always fulfills those promises. Well, let's get back to our first point here as we look at a keeping of records. As we read together, starting in Genesis chapter five, of course, we'll pick up in verse one. And it says, this is the book of generations of Adam in the day when God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he named them man in the day, and they were created. So God's already said this in chapter 1. He said it in chapter 2. Now he's telling us again in chapter 5. He is the creator of humanity. We did not come from monkeys. Monkeys didn't turn into a caveman, Cro-Magnon man, Neanderthal man, and all that. No, God created us in his image. Picking up in verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and he named him Seth. So this is after, kind of makes it sound like, okay, 130 years has gone by. Eve's had, who knows, 50, 60 kids. I mean, who knows how many kids have went on. Those kids are having kids. Kids are having, and kids and kids are having kids. They've got great-great-grandchildren now, all of this stuff. But it's almost like Eve stopped having kids, and then God opened her womb, and she had this baby, Seth. It says in verse 4, then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh, and he had other sons and daughters, and so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. Okay, so here we've got all this, this person had this baby and all this, who so have generations and generations, and that continues on all the way up to verse 21. You know, when you read in the Bible in this person begat this person and had this son and that daughter and da 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 da. well that's what goes on up to verse 21 with a young man named Enoch so we'll pick that up in a few moments but getting back to verse 1 again let us notice and put light on this fact that this is a book of generations This is an interesting term there in verse 1, this book of generations. We can see all the way back here in Genesis, the very book of beginnings, that God was going to keep a historical account of his word for man to follow. Yes, there would be a record that would be written, and this would not just be an orally transmitted account of the beginning. God says, no, I'm going to have this written down. This is the second time we see this in Genesis thus far. Remember back in Genesis chapter 2, after the creation itself of the heavens, the earth, and all of it contained uh, within those, uh, we were told in Genesis 2, 4, he said, this is the account of the heavens and the earth and when they were created in that day that the Lord God had made heaven and earth. So God is saying, I am keeping track of this for you. Again, God is keeping a record of all that he does. We see this terminology again in Genesis chapter 6. We'll look at it when we get there, verse 9, where it says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Again, there is a written record, not just an oral record, just I'm passing this down to you orally. No, God says, I'm having it written down. God has established from the very beginning a record of truth so that we could be secure in what is written and recorded for us is the truth. And God made these records available to Moses as he was the author of Genesis by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. So you have the Holy Spirit of God speaking in and through Moses as he's got in his hands a written account of all that happened in Genesis. Because Moses wasn't born until 50 years, you know, after Genesis. You know, it was much, much later before he was even born. And so we know, actually it was much even farther than that but you know still the uh, the point that i'm making though is he sat down with the inspiration of the holy spirit with actual hand-me-down records that were written see man when he looks at man's beginning because he says man created himself we came from you know cells that formed into this and that and whatever turned into a monkey turned into a man then we got neanderthal man Magnon man we have you know caveman you know all this and he's like an idiot but he's figuring things out yes let me make rock oh, oh, man made fire, you know, all this. No, man was super intelligent when they were born, because when they were first created, because God made them in his image. They say we only use 10% of our brain. Now, maybe some less than that. (laughs) It's like, maybe some a little more. But anyway, it's like when I believe Adam and Eve, they were maybe using... 100% of their brain capacity. So they were able to communicate. They weren't like trying to figure it out. Ugh, me, caveman. Hmm. No, it's like they already knew. They were very smart. How do you think they built the pyramids thousands of years ago? Men were intelligent. If anything, we've gotten less smart over the years. Not more smart, that's for sure. Well, anyway, now Adam and Eve are given another son By the grace of God, who had a godly continence. So this son, Seth, has this godly continence like their son Abel did. Now, remember, Abel, the reason that his brother Cain killed him was because he had brought a beautiful offering to the Lord, and the Lord had received it. Okay, so God said in Genesis 4.25 that Seth was given to replace Abel, and now there's a godly heritage and a godly bloodline. Now, why did God want this godly heritage and godly bloodline from Adam and Eve? Well, that bloodline would carry down all the way to the birth of Jesus Christ. So you can trace the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way back to Seth and then to Adam and Eve. And here's another interesting note on this record given to Adam. In Genesis 5, here in the beginning, there's another record given of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, given in the first book of the New Testament. And again, that's that genealogy I just mentioned, because it says in Matthew 1, 1, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, again, all the way back through Seth yes a full and complete record is given to us so that we can trace our heritage as humanity all the way back to the creation itself again unlike what man does where he says oh no we came from nothing we created ourselves out of nothing no we can trace our heritage all the way back to the very first man that god made in his image now we see seth become a father And his desire was to bring up his son in the way of the Lord. We're told in chapter 4, verse 26, that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Yes, he became now an outspoken witness for men and women to call upon the Lord. And that should be the desire that each and every one of us has today. Seth's genealogy continues to a man named Enoch, which brings us to our second point, a life remembered. This is an incredible account of a man of God. So let's read about this man named Enoch as we pick up now in verse 21. It says, now Enoch lived 65 years and he became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years. Obviously, they lived a lot longer back then. After he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God in verse 24. And he was not. For God took him. Period. Wow. That's crazy. So now we have these generations. And they end up here looking at Enoch. Now, could you imagine what we just read there? Enoch, this man of God, he walked with God, meaning he had a relationship with God. He had a devotional life with God, and he walked with him, and God just took him. He snatched him away. Now, why would God do that? Well, Enoch's name means dedicated and dedicated this man was he had this relationship it wasn't about some religiosity it wasn't about some statue or some stained glass window there was a relationship with God he walked with God and he was a striking character to say the least now why why was he so striking probably for three main reasons number one Enoch is only one of two people in the entire Bible that walked with God. Now, you might think, well, wait a second. A lot of people walked with God. Uh, I'm walking with God. Okay, so you might think, "What what are you talking about? Well, that terminology is only used with two people in the Bible. Now, I hope you are walking with God, and that's great. But that terminology of walking with God is only used twice in the Bible, one with Enoch and the other was Noah number two he's only one of two men in the entire bible that it says he pleased god now that we know there's many people in the bible that please god i hope you please god in your life but that terminology in the bible is only used with two people number one it was used here with enoch and the second person was jesus christ And number three, Enoch is only one of two men in the history of all of humanity who went straight to heaven without dying on earth. Jesus died on a cross. There's nobody else in the entire Bible that went to heaven without physically dying other than two people. The one is Enoch and the other was Elijah, who was caught up in a whirlwind. So Establishing those facts about Enoch is a pretty unique individual, so what can we learn from this man who personally walked with God, who personally pleased God, and who was personally snatched away from the earth by God himself? Like, man, I just love this guy so much, I'm just taking you home. That's it. I mean, you come out, you have devotion with me. You walk with me. I'm like, you know what? I'm just taking you right now. Boom, airlifted him. Beam me up, Scotty. He just took him. So what can we learn from this man? Well, the Bible said in verse 21 that Enoch, he was 65 years old when he had his first son, Methuselah. And then, okay, it said, and then he walked with God. So something happened at the birth of that son. And it changed his whole psyche. It changed how he viewed God. It changed everything. Know this, Enoch came to a turning point when that boy Methuselah was born. There was a fork in the road that happened. It was a point of conversion for him. So he made a direct decision to take a stand and it changed the entire course and direction of his life. And of his own personal plans. Yes, you could say that God altered his route. And it changed Enoch's view and vision of what his purpose really was all about. Remember, it was God that said in Proverbs 29, 18, Where there is no vision, my people perish. When people can't see something beyond themselves, they perish. When they can't see something that's more than what they're living, they shrivel up inside. If they don't see something more in this life than what they're all seeing on their own, they were going to shrivel up and die inside. And do we not see that in life? Why would someone ever commit suicide? Suicides are spiking right now. Because they don't see anything outside of what's right in front of them. So without a vision, the Bible says, my people perish. Today, I wonder, what is your vision? What course are you personally on? Where are you headed today? Many will say, well, Pastor, I've asked Jesus Christ in my life. Well, that's nice. It's wonderful. I'm happy for you. That's the best decision you could have ever made, this side of heaven. But let me ask you this. Have you allowed that decision of receiving Christ, the decision to receive Jesus into the very core of your being, have you allowed that decision to change the course in the direction of your personal life? That's the question. To the point that your life now has become a vessel for him. Your life has become a vessel for the living God. Your life now is saying, man, God, I want to do what you want me to do because I think and I feel and I know that your plan is better than my plan. So the question again is, has your conversion caused your lifestyle to be altered? And before your mind checks out, thinking, like, okay, here we come with the big religious good deeds appeal, like, oh, we should be serving the Lord more and blah, 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 blah. Maybe I need to staple a copy of the Ten Commandments to my forehead to become more spiritual. No, like, get that out of your head for a second. Understand, this is not what God desires having some kind of a forced service. God never wants forced service. We have people that serve at core church here. We have lots of wonderful volunteers. Every now and then we'll have volunteers that serve and they just think, well, you're working me too hard here. It's like, excuse me, we're working you too hard here. Yeah, it's like, you know, multiple services and you know, it's like, well, hold on. You got the whole wrong outlook here. This is a privilege and an honor to serve the Lord. And it's just like, oh my goodness, we have servants. It's like every time the lights are on at this church, they're here. Man, they're just here, man. We're here to serve because it is an honor. This is what builds up treasure in heaven for us one day because, man, we are honoring God. We are allowing him to use us in this life to affect the lives of other people that are around us. So this is not, God never wants forced service. It's God desires us to do things out of our own hearts. That's why I like what it says in Psalm chapter 40, verse eight. He says, I delight to do your will, Oh, God, you know, thy law is written in my heart. Every one of you have talents. You have things that you've excelled in in this life. But those gifts and those talents could help make the church a better church. Are you using your talents as you work in the workforce, as you use these things in the business world and what have you? Are you using those talents that God gave you to also better the church, to better the work of God, this side of heaven. See, that's why, again, the psalmist said, I delight to do your will. That word delight in the original Hebrew language means I take pleasure in this. It is a great joy to me. It's not work. It's my desire to please you, Lord. So how can we, like Enoch, simply walk
2: with God. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word that's Core Church LA to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.